Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. Let's hit a few of these questions. Um, this one uh, from Mr. Samuel 75 on Twitter. What's your guys take on the run game? I thought Gibson had too many people near him in the backfield on his runs. Seemed too crowded. What'd you make of the run game circling back around to the offense? Hmm. Interesting. Uh, too many people near him in the backfield. Um, I, t- I, I tend to think that's, that's like the the nature of the run game in the NFL. Like running yeah. running in the NFL is about timing. Like guys are going to be free. It's or can you push them in the right way to ultimately create an alley uh, that opens at the right time for the back, uh, and then and then you're free, and those guys are in the backfield behind you, and they don't really matter a whole lot. Yeah. So I think like there's one play that comes to mind where they're running out of ten personnel, so two receivers that are split out to both sides. You have a five man blocking surface. And usually what defenses will do is they'll play a six-man kind of box in response to that. You know, everyone gets a gap. And so in the way offenses that run this run, like in 2022, they keep that as a keep a little zone read action. So that guy is going to run and he's going to, he should pause for a step, but he's going to be pretty close to the back. And the idea is that the back is going to beat that press the two double teams on the interior guys and hit a crease. And one of the double team guys is going to get up to the middle linebacker and then there's going to be a ton of space. And so when I look at that, when you look at it from the end zone, there is a ton of space and the end plays it pretty good, but Gibson beats the end, which is the whole design of the run and why you get good athletes back there. The combination doesn't quite get to the middle linebacker. So it ends up being a four yard gain instead of a 20 yard gain. And that's how the, the run game works in the NFL. I actually thought they did a decent job of creating seams and creases and kind of getting combinations to the right guy and i think that's something that um that's important and so on the whole i think it was very productive there are some things schematically that i don't like about their run game just from where i've come from with my run game background with regard to kyle shanahan and what he does but again they this that's how they execute their stuff here and that's what they do but there's nothing like glaring in my opinion about what they're doing that is different or worse than um, other teams in the NFL. It's again, you have good defense in the NFL run defense. in The NFL is simply allocating more bodies than you have on the offensive line to block with them. So there's always going to be someone free. It's just about designating who that person is and can the back beat that person. Cause I actually thought and to, to, to this person's point, who's what's her name? What's her name is sway. Uh, whatever. It was Samuel. Mr. Mr. Samuel 75 was the, the Twitter handle. I don't have a, uh, an actual name. 
I will say that Chase Roulier's ankle appears to still be bothering him. And number 52 for Jacksonville, put in a little bit of work on him in certain situations, pass rushing, getting some penetration, but the type of penetration that he's getting up. So this is like, this is getting really nerdy here, but basically on a run to the left, if the center gets his hat to the left side of that nose, nose guard and the nose guard blows him four yards into the backfield, that's a win for the center. And the reason I say that is because the second the back, I'm, I'm handing the ball to the back, he should be already past the center. So by doing that, basically the guy's created a vertical seam in the defense and he's out of his gap. So like it might look like there's a lot of penetration there when there is, but technically that guy can't make the tackle and he's opening up space in the context of the defense. So I think that's <clears throat> that's important. Even though you see penetration, if they're penetrating to the wrong side of the offensive player, they're actually creating a crease, which from right. the end zone you see very dramatically. And from the sideline, you don't see because it's all kind of muddy and weird looking. Right. And that's one of the things that um, when I used to watch tape with Portis sometimes, like he would always point out, he'd be like, look where the, look where the hat is, right? Like, yeah. you know, it's one of the things that running backs read is like which side of the defender is the helmet on because I'm going to go the other way because, you know, and that good defensive tackles, by the way, know that and they'll wrong side their hat on purpose, knowing their bodies on the right side, they'll put their hat on the left and then make the running back run right to him. So like there's there's a lot of cat and mouse games. There's a lot of things that um, you know, unless you kind of know some of the nuance that you might not might not understand um, because you can't like unless you've been playing at, at that level or you've covered it at that level and been able to have the chance. Like I have to talk to people like you talk to people like Clinton Portis, talk to people, you know, have played the game. You're, you just don't know, you know, that kind of stuff from watching the TV copy. It's the nature of of this very silly, complex game. That we so that's a really good question, by the way. Great question, because uh, it, it might appear yeah. that way on, on the TV copy. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, let's try to get two more in real quick, um, both on the defensive side. One uh, from Colin. When Curl returns, do you anticipate more 4-1-6 dime looks with Forrest, St. Juice, Curl, and McCain all on the field at the same time in past situations, which takes down Jamin's coverage snaps? Similarly, how do you manage the safety snap distribution in your your base? Uh, of course, their base is a nickel, so that four two five. How, what do you do when Cam curls back? Seeing how well Derek Forrest played. Again, another great question, um, and the answer is I don't know. <laughs> I think you probably think about <laughs> good problem you prob to have. Yeah, you probably think about doing that, and I think people are going to be hating on Jamin for a couple of days, but I I don't think he played. I, I don't think he played great, but I don't think he played bad, and I think he played better in this game than he did for. 90% of the, of the games last year. last year. Yeah. yeah. And so I think he deserves to be on the field more. We already talked about what he did as a blitzer. He did some good stuff in coverage. Again, the athleticism's there. It's just the kind of getting in the CPU, you know, getting all those different looks into his brain and making sure he can execute those. So, um, but I do think, you know, there's some information about Forrest. One of the things about Forrest that they said is that he's not really suited to play like a Buffalo role, like at least right now. He doesn't mm -hmm. like, he doesn't maybe like, he doesn't feel comfortable, I guess is the way to word that, with yeah. stuff right at the line of scrimmage he likes to be from depth he's more effective there so if you were going to do something like that cam curl would probably play the buffalo role but it kind of seems to me like they're almost trying to phase him out of that role a little bit because percy butler i don't know if you guys noticed this he took every single buffalo nickel snap or big nickel snap so anytime they're in base and the commanders match a nickel percy's in the game even when you know uh, McCain and Forrest were both healthy. Like he's in that, that's his position. That's his role. So that 
Benjamin St. Juice doesn't have to do that. So they're they're starting to kind of define roles here for the defense a little bit better. And I would say, you know, I think the, the logical thing would be say, hey, oh, we'll have Forrest play Buffalo, right? And then have Cam play post and then kind of revert Percy to that more special teams role as of right now. I think he's going to grow into something more within the context of the defense, but they don't feel comfortable. If he doesn't feel comfortable, then I think you got to rework that. Then it becomes, does he play post? Does Cam play right. at the Buffalo? Are you rotating? Are you subbing? And that, I think, was confusing for Cam in terms of some of the coverage busts that he was having in practice and in preseason. So I don't know. I, I, it'll be interesting to see what the coaching staff does there. And um, I think it's a, it is a good problem to have, but you, I think it's important to know that those pieces and those players are not interchangeable the way that you might think just because they play the same position. Right. And just because they have like it makes so much sense that force would be like a, the perfect Buffalo nickel player based off right. of his size, based off his physicality. But like if you're used to seeing things from 15 yards, 12 yards, 10 yards back, and now you're asking to do it from four off the line of scrimmage like that's a complete you're playing linebacker. Yeah. And, and so to, to have that ability in the box mentally to see it with the speed you need to to have kind of the feel of the field when you've played your entire life in a different position. Like it's not that easy, especially to make that adjustment at the NFL level. So I love that point. And I'm, I'm, that's great insight on kind of what they're thinking and, and why Butler maybe is more uh, suited there when it seems like from a skill set standpoint, physically, like you'd want the fast guy in the post, but it, it's a lot right. more than that. Uh, the last question that will go, basically all the rest of the questions, except for the one I'm about to read are about, Detroit's run game and, and fear uh, after seeing Jacksonville oh, yeah. we'll able to get on, some big we'll games in Detroit. But yeah, that's coming on Friday's show. Uh, but this one uh, from at Ron's underscore commanders. How long will it take for Del Rio to make adjustments to covering the slot receiver and blitzing the quarterback? Follow-up question. How long should we fans put up with him playing our players out of position? A uh, little of a loaded question. I think there is some things worthy of discussion in there. Like, Slot receivers have been troublesome for this team uh, over mm -hmm. the Del Rio era. Um, you know, we talk about the play where Davis is lined up on basically in, in isolation on Christian Kirk, and that's not ideal. But the one thing I would say uh, before it lets you go in, into a little more depth is like, if you look around the league, these things happen. Like slot receivers are getting a ton of catches in the league. Slot, you know, good offensive coordinators are creating good matchups. By using personnel, like you can't give Scott Turner credit for being able to do it and think he's the only one that's ever going to be able to do it. Like this is kind of the league and and how you mix and match personnel. And so are there issues that could be cleaned up? Yes. But to pretend like you watch Sunday's game and go, Del Rio doesn't have any idea what he's doing on anything, especially if, if you think like the blitz package was bad, like you, we were watching different games or at least watching the game with very different understandings of what was happening. That's a fantastic point. Just <clears throat> just about slot receivers in general. Love that. I mean, that's why Cooper Cup, you know, had the triple crown last year. One of the reasons, right? That's why Justin Jefferson's going to have a huge year this year. Being in the slot becomes problematic for defenses. Like, that's just a fact of life. And we already talked about some of the things that Jamin could do better to put himself in a better situation. Because I don't, I athletically, when I watch him, you know, like obviously the move, and then he's like rallying to cover, like the rallying to cover part, the athleticism's there. He just needs to put himself in a little bit better spot. And also they're playing kind of a, they are playing zone in those situations, but it's a zone match. So it kind of feels like, man, and maybe the play call there could be a little bit different. Maybe they could run some type of bracket. Again, they, ha they probably have something 
honestly, in the offense already. They're going to be facing a very good slot uh, kind of move receiver in uh, Brown this week for for the Detroit Lions. Equinemius, that's his brother. Uh, no, no, that's his brother. Yeah, he plays yeah. in Chicago. It's uh, Amon Ra St. Brown. Amon Ra, great names there. Holy cow, their parents were yeah. on their you know, stuff. You know that his dad was Mr. Universe, right? No, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, their dad was Mr. Universe. Uh, he's... You got to watch Hard Knocks, bro. Uh, that's your that's your film study this week is to watch Hard Knocks on the Lions because that's a, that was a great season. You're also going to love Dan. I mean, it's your tight end brethren, Dan Campbell. Dude, I'm not even kidding you. I've had multiple guys who've coached us both say, like, you are Dan Campbell. You're, like, you're like very similar in terms of how you think about things. I think I'm a little bit more chill after watching a little bit of Dan. But, yeah. um, you know, kind of like football. Like, I think, like, the, the big – kind of unathletic white dude comparison, you know, maybe brings it closer together. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, to, to get back to the question, we got sidetracked. Yeah, I think they probably have something in that's better for that slot receiver. Um, and it shouldn't be hard, but slot receivers, good athletic backs out of the backfield, they are problematic because defenses aren't really designed to have good coverage players close to the football. Because if you put like, that's one thing. Look at Benjamin St. Juice, right? They actually have to rotate him out on rundowns because they're worried about him fitting runs. So let's just say, like, right. we want better if we want better coverage players on the field, they got to be ready to tackle, you know, you, you, the Detroit run game. Does that make sense what I'm saying? So you got to yeah. walk this kind of razor's edge here in terms of how you're going to be effective in those situations. And that's why, that's why honestly, one of the re one of many reasons why playing defense in the NFL in 2022 sucks. It sucks. It's so <laughs> reactive. Because I like honestly, I could come out. I can come out in 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 twenty uh, in twenty two personnel. I could move to empty, and all of a sudden, you got a mat like with this team. You got a matchup with Gibson. You got a matchup with McKissick in the slot with a linebacker, I, and it's the same matchup as what you'd get from Christian Kirk against another team. Like that's just NFL suckiness playing defense and i think that's something for fans to kind of keep in perspective they'll do things differently jamin will learn the technique a little bit better jack will probably call something different in the future situational dependent that's also a big factor is the situation that those things are happening but again like it's tough it's tough to, to, yeah. to be successful. it's why it's why like brandon staley loves having jalen ramsey or derwin james or like these really special, especially defensive backs who are big and physical and can play the run and because they point. allow you to match personnel without having to try to figure out which guy's there. Because like what you're looking at is partial skill sets. Like Benjamin St. Juice is a better cover player, but he's not as good against the run. Then you right. flip him out for Jamin Davis, who is going to be better against the run because he's a linebacker, but is not as good in coverage. Or you're right. playing Cam Curl, who's some combination of the both both but then you're taking curl away from being in his best spot and you're also putting more on his plate like it's not easy it's why right. by the way landon collins was such a luxury for them sure. last year because landon could actually do all that stuff at a pretty high level and was best suited there it, you know what we did have a question to come in of like would landon collins be an upgrade and like purely from a football playing standpoint yeah i think he would be because like to be, he's the perfect buffalo fair. nickel but they're like I think better off in the long term. They are they are good with the personnel they have and continuing to grow that. Like it is week one, year two for Jamin Davis. Allowing yeah. Jamin to grow, especially against the Jacksonvilles and Detroits of the world, is the best long term strategy versus always looking for like who is the best player right now that will ultimately fade off and not be as good as the guy that if you allow him to grow will continue to rise. Sure. And also I think it's important to point out, like, I don't think Landon is gonna win that matchup either. 
You know, if you right. say Landon, yeah. go play one on one. Kirk, yeah, yeah. Like I, you're not going to win that, right? Even Benjamin St. Juice in the slot. And the reason this is tough for this guy who asked this question is because that receiver doesn't have the same route tree as a receiver from the outside. They can literally go in any direction they want, right? If I'm good, if I'm a good OC, I can tell the receiver on the outside to plus floor your split, get really wide out there. I can put a three by one away, and you are literally one on one with a player with probably 20 yards of grass right there in the middle of the field, right over the ball. It's a quick throw. The ball can get out quick. The quarterback can see it. He can break out. And that is one of the reasons why that's so tough. So like for coverage players, unless you know where your help is and then how to funnel that player to your help, you're going to get diced and you see good slot guys dice zone coverage really well too, because they understand how to create space to, to win inside and beat the, beat the leverage player. So it's just a tough deal, man. And like, that's why, Curtis Samuel's valuable for this team. That's why McKissick's valuable for this team. That's why even Logan Thomas is valuable for this team because they can win in that inside matchup versus a linebacker versus a safety. And think about all the good teams in the NFL. They all have a player like that who can do that. So, again, keep that in mind. Yeah, definitely. All right, uh, we will get into the specific Detroit preview coming up on Friday's show. Again, the new schedule. We will have post-game reaction out Monday morning. Uh, this version of this show, kind of the film review, if you will, out on Wednesday morning and then Friday morning game preview. You got all day Friday, all day Saturday, and until 10 a.m. on Sunday to listen. Because at 10 a.m., you have to be live on the radio for countdown to kickoff. Uh, I mean, really by 8 a.m. You should listen to it on Saturday because Earl Forsey starts at 8, and we have respect <laughs> for Earl Forsey, the legend. You better be listening starting at 8 a.m. on Sunday morning. Simulcast 106.7 The Fan. And the team 980. Yes, uh, Mr. Paulson in the in the front of the classroom. Thank you. Also, these questions were great. So if you guys have more questions leading into the, the Detroit game, let's bring those again. These were fantastic because they help me think about football differently, and they're they're awesome. So just keep them coming. Yeah, you can hit Logan on Instagram at Logan underscore Paulson82. You can hit me at Hoffman Show on Twitter. All right. Uh again, we'll see you Friday morning. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, Odyssey app. Wherever it is that you get your pods, make sure that you subscribe. Uh, I'll see y'all on the radio uh, between now and then, and uh, we'll see you on Friday morning for taking it.